Welcome to the We Believe in Florida Citrus podcast, brought to you by Florida Grower Magazine. The We Believe in Florida Citrus initiative shines a light on the positive work taking place to build a sustainable future for the state's signature crop. Each episode of this podcast will bring you insights and expertise from key players in the citrus industry. Now, here's Florida Grower Editor Frank Giles with this episode's interview. Hi, this is editor of Florida Grower Magazine, Frank Giles. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Peter Chairs. Peter is the executive director of the New Varieties Development and Management Corporation. Peter, thanks for joining us today on the We Believe in Florida Citrus podcast interview. Absolutely. Glad to be with you. Just to get us started, tell us a little bit about the New Varieties Development and Management Corp and what's your role with the organization? I am executive director of New Varieties Development and Management Corp. Uh, This is a not-for-profit entity that was originally founded in 2005. Uh, was originally uh, put together by uh, Florida Citrus Packers um, as then a a fresh effort, but uh, was later uh, expanded uh, through a suggestion from the Florida Citrus Commission to become more of uh, an all-inclusive program for the industry. So it kind of serves two purposes. Uh, We do fund uh, sponsored projects and variety development evaluation Uh, and commercialization, um, but also serves as a licensing entity on behalf of the Florida citrus grower uh, for proprietary citrus varieties. Very good. And one other important role you play, you are a regular contributor to Florida Grower Magazine. Um, You've been providing your citrus nursery source article for more than a decade, going on 11 years now. So We really appreciate that uh, contribution to the magazine and to the readers. It's been a great resource over the years. Thank you. That's been my pleasure. Nurseries are such a critically important uh, component of this industry, so I'm glad to be able to participate with that. Very good. Well, just, you know, obviously citrus greening kind of changed the game when it came on the scene uh, back in 2005. Talk a little bit about how citrus breeding has changed since citrus greening came along? Yeah, it's certainly become, it's certainly more difficult. Uh, you know, we already, we already are growing citrus in a somewhat u- unique climatic condition. You know, we, I like to say we sit somewhere between Co- Queensland, Australia and Vietnam on our weather spectrum. You know, we've, we've got the heat, the humidity, the rainfall, uh, but we also have a risk of, of severe cold uh, during certain winters. Um, thankfully, we didn't have too much of that this year, but we did have a lot of the good cold. Uh, but when you add HLB into the equation, it just further complicates everything. We still, we still do evaluate and, and bring in material from other states, other countries uh, for evaluation for a hopeful utility here. But we, we strongly believe that our highest and best hope for varieties to grow in this unique circumstance are going to be things that are bred here. Very good. You know, I know growers want access to new varieties and certainly those that show tolerance to HLB or greening, but they also want that data on performance. It gives some kind of historical background. And, you know, how do we balance those competing forces today? Because we, you know, growers want things new quickly, 
but they also want that track record. What are some things that are being done to kind of balance that? And really, I think grower perspectives have, have changed uh, a lot along the way. When we first started, uh, we were really largely focused on, on, or almost exclusively focused on varietal traits. You know, what are those things that, that the uh, changing consumer trends were deeming important? You know, what, what were the consumers looking for? What were the retailers looking for? And along the way, it just became an essential component to really, uh, everything had to kind of pass the, um, at least the minimal HLB test, you know, it, it had to be able to uh, hold up in the field, produce a good crop, hold the crop, not drop the crop. Uh, and then the challenge became what is true to type? You know, if you're evaluating something and in, in, in it's already infected with HOB, are you really seeing its true identity? Um, you know, things that are growing in cups may look a little bit, behave a whole lot different than something that might be outside, um, for example. Um, but, but along the way, I mean, when we first started, growers said, look, what our focus needs to be is identify those things that we think have promise, move them out, uh, to, to the grower and, and nursery communities as early as possible. We'll put them into our growing system. We'll help you determine what those winners are. And there's still a lot of value in that process, but that particular process with these real small trials with a tremendous amount of diversity within the trials are really not established. They were never even, even intended to generate data. They were really for observational purposes. But due to the complexity of growing with our, our production systems changing, our nutrition programs changing, all of the myriad of variables that growers have now, it's become so much more complex that even those growers that 10 years ago said, just give it to me and I'll help you determine the winners are saying, you know, I still wanna stay engaged. I still wanna put things in the ground. I wanna gain early experience with them, but I really like to see something going on concurrently uh, on a larger scientifically, uh, you know, uh, designed trial that's going to generate data that can help substantiate, you know, uh, planting decisions in the future on something other than just observational data off of five or 10 trees. So we're really not set up or equipped to do that. So thankfully, CRDF and, um, and, and uh, some other uh, programs with, uh, 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 with the industry that are gonna do more uh, larger scale trials, not only looking at production systems, but also just the survivability and productivity of these varieties, most of which will of course be for our processing sector, but not to the exclusion of fresh as well. So we're really looking forward to seeing that process continue uh, along the same, you know, at the same time. They'd really need to run in parallel tracks it doesn't make any sense to, to take our foot off the gas and deny growers and nurseries who do want to innovate and do want to get out front to allow them an opportunity to, to do that. But it needs to, both, both paths need to be running at the same time. Very good. <clears throat> you know, and finally, just talk a little bit about some new varieties that may be creating some buzz out there among growers or, or breeders themselves that uh, are creating some interest. Well, we're, we're really seeing, uh, uh, we're to the point now where we've, we've put out through, on the fresh side, through this Fast Track program, quite a number of them. And Fast Track is one of those where you, you see uh, very often fruit off of one tree. Um, the fruit looks promising. We get excited about it. Industry's excited about it. So we try to move it through this accelerated program. 
now a lot of that material is out there. We, we're, we're starting to see, well, these things look a little better. We could probably walk away from these, um, you know, and so you're starting to see the winners and the losers and the question marks along the way. So we're kind of in that mode right now. For example, we had a lot of bingo go, go out of the gate really quickly. The fruit still looks terrific, even in a year like this, where we had really hot nights through October, where it really kind of tanked a lot of our early and, and mid-season varieties. We just didn't develop uh, quite like we normally would. The flavor for bingo was just absolutely exceptional. It was just as good as it always is. What we have to learn how to do is grow it. So now we're kind of focusing on uh, how, to, how, you know, what is the best rootstock? How do, how, do we, how do we level out the bloom? And how do we set and stick that crop? What's the appropriate size crop? We don't want something too big or we're gonna end up with a bunch of marbles, um, but you have to have enough productivity per acre. So those are the types of things that we're looking at. So bingo continues to, to interest growers. We just really got to focus on the horticultural side right now. Uh, we know that the retailers want it. We just got we just got to learn to grow it. And Marathon is a little bit further behind that. That was kind of the next wave that came out under a whole new fast track model. And we, um, we really like what we see with it. It seems to be cropping a little more uniformly. The size is, is nice and uniform, uh, but it's having some young tree issues. So we're kind of moving through that. So we're really in a, in a learning stage. We're, we're starting on the on the USDA on the USDA side, um, they've got three new uh, fresh fruit cultivars that they think are going to be released over the next couple of years. Um, and they made an interesting discovery this year. We had a variety that had been around, gosh, I think 45 years, and we quite frankly had given up on it because it just would not crop. Um, beautiful quality, wonderful size fruit, great color, tremendous flavor. We just couldn't get stick enough fruit on the tree. And uh, uh, Dr. Stover had, had, had put some out on uh, some rootstock liners to see what they would do. And he discovered that uh, it seems to really like US 812. So we had, he, he, put it on, he put it out, got a pretty good crop the first year, decided to watch it another year, got a good crop the second year. So two years is, is not a definitive answer, but there's a good answer, you know, good in, uh, a, a kind of a good example of how this scion rootstock combination can work together. So now NVDMC is in the process of we've got some trees in the nursery on 812 and we're going to push them out in industry and get them into some different growing conditions and see what this thing does because it might really give us a, a really good quality uh, mid-season. But I was kind of earlier today kind of adding up uh, what we're hearing from the breeding teams, we're in the process this week and next week of meeting with all of them and kind of doing project overviews. It looks like we've probably got 50,000 plus unique hybrids in the field. So name of the game right now, we, we don't want to stop breeding. We need to continue to make new crosses with these new advanced parent lines that they're making uh, that are all going to have a, a much higher likelihood of having offspring that are going to are going to be more HLB tolerant in addition to bet to really superior fruit quality. Got to got to kind of keep keep that going. But uh, but the name of the game is evaluating what's in the field, and and that's that's the big challenge right now. And COVID certainly has made that more complicated as we've been unable to gather the industry together and and groups and kind of feed off each other's input from people in all the different segments like we normally do. Uh, but there's there's a whole lot in in the pipeline and. Um, I was just looking at uh, the entries from 
uh, the Lake Alfred team, they have 11 entries uh, into the parent tree program at DPI just this year. Um, there's a Valencia type that's showing more tolerance. There's an early orange-like hybrid that, that shows uh, really good orange-like qualities. They've got six easy peelers and then three red-fleshed uh, grapefruit hybrids that they're confident enough in that they're moving them into the parent tree program to generate clean budwood. And I had noted, uh, I know with USDA, I think they had made um, um, 19 new selections just this year of things that were showing increased uh, levels of, of tolerance. And uh, Dr. Shaparo and his much smaller uh, program in, in Gainesville, he's working on each of these categories with easy peelers, with orange-like tangors, and also with grapefruit trying to introduce HLB tolerance. And he has now uh, identified some HLB tolerant white seedy flesh or, or seedy white flesh grapefruit that now he's focused on kind of introducing red and pink color in and, and moving the seeds out to get a low seeded or seedless variant. So the the right things are happening, which has got to got to get a keep our foot on the gas and get it done and get these things out the door. Fantastic. Now the the variety you, you referenced with Dr. Stover, uh, what which what is that variety name? That's called a U.S. Saperna, uh, and it is now commercially produced uh, in California. It was developed in Orlando when when USDA Dr. Hearn made the cross when the USDA lab was in Orlando and and. Uh, it also had been sent to California, and I believe some. I believe there's some uh, trees in Texas now as well. Um, but uh, the original tree we used to look at at the Whitmore Farm was a beautiful, large, probably 20 foot tree. It seems to do well with HLB. It's got a really pretty canopy on it, but you only had 20 pieces of fruit on the whole tree. It was very frustrating and. Each year it would crop a little differently, sometimes on the skirt, sometimes on one side, but never consistently. So we're hoping that this, this uh, uh, experiment with the US 812 rootstock and, and US Saperna and put them together might, might, uh, might be a winner. I, I, I just wanna mention also some of the really good work Dr. Uh, Yu Wong is doing in Lake Alfred. She manages our display days and we've had to take a COVID free distanced approach to that to move uh, collections of fruit samples out to growers who have volunteered to uh, offer their opinions in an online survey. And so she's been compiling that information to get back to the breeders, but she's also beginning to explore the different compounds in, in these uh, uh, varieties to find out what type of flavors are really driving that consumer acceptance. So we're pretty excited about the work she's doing as well. Fantastic. Well, with that, Peter, we're going to wrap it up. We really appreciate you being on with us uh, today. And uh, thanks for uh, all your service to the uh, citrus industry. Absolutely. Y'all have a good afternoon. Mm -hmm.